0: Welcome to the Legendary Upside Podcast. My name is Pat Corrine. You can follow all of my work at legendaryupside.com. And with me today is Davis Maddock. How you doing, Davis?
1: You know, I'm doing great. We are, look, it's, it's late May. I mean, we are just deep. We are deep in it already. You know, we're already arguing about everything. We're arguing about everything. Drafting every day, all day. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful time to be alive, Pat.
0: It is a beautiful time to be alive. Yeah, so I should have mentioned you're from you got Sports Grid stuff. You got Automatic Absolutes. You also have ADP Chasing, which is a podcast you and I do together. And we've been, yeah, it's May. We've also been doing a podcast following the best ball market since uh, last November, I believe. I can't, I can't remember it all. It all runs together. But it's been a while that we've been following the best ball market. Um, and today we're gonna touch a little bit on kind of those market principles. I think, but the the main focus of the podcast is going to be on attacking the late rounds in best ball drafts. I think this is a particularly interesting discussion to have in May because we are in like the height of uncertainty. And I mean, at least we have the NFL schedule, but like we really don't know very much about how these backfields are going to shake out. You know, there's like uncertainty, even at wide wide receiver position There's certain guys who haven't signed yet. So it creates um, some tough decisions in the late rounds. And it's going to create some hindsight type of stuff where we're going to look back and go, Oh my God, I could have had a huge bag of this dude. He was free. What is wrong with me? How did I not see it? So let's, uh, let's get our crystal balls out and figure this out, Davis.
1: It's, it's like the thing I actually hate the most about fantasy football, specifically best ball. Cause like, obviously, you know, we're doing all our, our uh, FFPC stuff. It's like, well, you know, we can kind of adjust and move on, uh have have had great teams make no money in the ffpc have had pretty horrible teams you know like i think our team we had a team last year that finished like 80th or something like that and i just remember every week being like no one on this team is even <laughs> good you know this team is it's true it's just like and we i think we, we it was a mahomes kelsey team right and yep. so it's, wow, like those that's, two it's, just, it's just pretty much all you needed um but in best ball you know it, it's just it you draft it and it's done so if something doesn't occur to you at the time, uh, you just feel stupid. And I, I mean, this is such a, there were so many breakouts and stuff last year that it's weird to focus in on this example. But the Samaj P. Ryan example from last year is the one that just really sticks it to me. Because I'm like, dude, you should just be better. You've been playing fantasy football for a long time. How many times have you seen the market go crazy over the shiny... New toy, which I mean, was the Chris Evans toy even really that shiny? Honestly, wasn't right? that
0: shiny? Yeah, it like glinted. If you held it to the light just right, it glinted.
1: <laughs> like in terms <laughs> of of like shiny toys that the fantasy community has decided to chase, Chris Evans is one of the least shiny, right? Yeah,
0: we had to blow the dust off <laughs> and, <laughs> and polish shit a little.
1: And so, I, and I've gotten a couple people have commented stuff like that, uh, stuff like this to me this year of like being in draft rooms with me or seeing me draft in the cast, and then like. You're taking, you know, you're taking a lot less rookies. You're taking more old guys than normal. You're taking a lot of Derrick Henry. And I'm like, one thing I've just really realized is coaches like veteran players, which is not to say I'm not drafting rookies, not taking Jordan Addison, uh, not taking Zach Charbonnet or whatever. But honestly, in spots where coaches might not know the answer, they really do go with the veteran a lot. And that just should have been so obvious with Pirine. And it wasn't at all, and it feels feels bad.
0: I'll give Ben Gretsch a shout out, who was banging the the table on P Ryan, uh, saying we should be drafting. He was, him. yeah. So there there were some were some people on the P Ryan train, and it did. That was one of those drumbeat things where it was Evans, 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 and then by like mid to late August, it was like I think this is P Ryan, and if you were kind of paying attention, I think by September. I mean, it took me a while because I was kind of on the Evans side, but I I feel like by like literally September, I was over to P Ryan because the, you know, the news and, you know, training camp stuff and preseason stuff can be kind of noisy, but there is definitely signal in it as well. And that was one of the ones that, you know, if you were paying attention, you probably realized, oops, I've been drafting the wrong guy.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, obviously, that's like uh, that's like a, a big part of the value prop of what's happening right now is like if you if you are grinding the news and kind of pick up on some great example from last year, Greg Dulcich for for from you. I mean, you were you were in the weeds, rookie OTAs like the co- like that that was like Nathaniel Hackett's son-in-law basically. Yeah, um, and he may and, be.
0: I've never actually checked, but it's possible he married into the family.
1: <laughs> knowing knowing how knowing how uh, uh, nepotic is that even a word? nepotism nepotic that's probably not i don't know i kind of
0: like it though nepotic uh
1: but just like it would you know it wouldn't surprise me if uh if if greg Dulcich was like a family relation but i mean and the the albert O. uh you know i mean he was the tight end 12 for the entire offseason and basically everything the coaches said about him was like dude stinks won't block he has zero dog i actually think i actually think the deal with albert O. is that if he played for one of these younger coaches, like let's say like a Shanahan or a McDaniel or something like that, I actually think they'd love him because the dog is not quite as important to them. But if you're playing for Nathaniel Hackett, you got to be all dog. You know, if, you, if your coach is 56 years old, you got to have dog and and See, Alberto I, has
0: zero. I think dogs. it's the hair, man. I, I stand by the hair thing. Like he, there's a, there's a, on the ship chasing clip, uh, that we play for Greg Dulcich. That it ends with Nathaniel Hackett saying, "Oh my God, look at that hair! I love that hair," and uh, I think <laughs> I think there was some signal in that. <laughs> the man loved Dulcich's hair. Uh, so I don't know. You just gotta you gotta be paying attention to what these coaches are telling us. Let's. Uh, I can't believe we're already derailed on Alberto and Greg Dulcich. Let's uh, let's zoom out and because I. So let me give you my thought on kind of late round picks. My sort of philosophy. And I want to see where you're at. So my feeling on these best ball tournaments is that these late round picks are actually very important because there's a high likelihood that someone going in the late rounds and probably multiple people will have some spike weeks in the fantasy playoffs. And having those guys will become a massive uh, differentiator relative to the teams in your other pod. It's going to drive teams through the fantasy playoffs. That's more important than ever in best ball mania, because you got to win one out of 16 and then one out of 16. Again, it is harder to advance to the finals than it was last year. And so, yes, your odds of hitting on those guys are very low, but someone's going to do it. There's going to be someone who scores some points in those rounds. And those teams are going to, at that point, have a massive edge. And so, to the extent that we can raise our chances of hitting on those types of players, I think we really want to be thinking through it because yeah, your odds of hitting on one of those guys is low. Your odds of hitting a multiple of those guys on the same team is very low. But if you were to, you know, it would be a huge, huge driver for your chances of actually taking this thing down. So um, with that in mind, I also, I kind of think of like those picks is maybe I want to not worry so much about, you know, like, I want to think of my team almost like it's probably already advanced or not advanced by, let's say, the end of round 14 or in, maybe the end of round 13, excluding quarterback. You know, you've kind of already done it or you haven't done it. Tight end is maybe a slightly different conversation, but it's like you kind of have already spent like key capital at running back and wide receiver. And it's either paid off or it's not paid off to an extent. And once you get to the, once you get to the late round picks, yeah, someone there could maybe help you advance for sure. But primarily, I'm like spike week hunting for the for the playoff rounds. There, what what are your thoughts on that general idea?
1: I don't. I actually don't know if I love that. Um, mm. in, in May, in May, um, okay. I think I think maybe in August that seems good because we have a, a much greater clarity on who is on what team, who is going to be cut, who is not going to be cut. You know, I think by August, Zeke, Fournette, Kareem Hunt, all of these guys are going to be signed. I don't know if there are any. Are there any uh, dominoes left to fall at wide receiver, really, that we're expecting? I mean, maybe a DeAndre Hopkins trade, maybe Jarvis Landry. Is is Julio Jones signed to the Buccaneers technically, or or is he a free so. agent? Like there could be <laughs> there could be something like that, but I I think the. Really, right now in May, what the late rounds are great for for me is finishing out quarterback and tight end because there are actually plenty yeah. of tight ends and quarterbacks going 15, 16, 17, 18. And I'm like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a perfectly cromulent quarterback. Or like Jake Ferguson is going to score 150 half point PPR points, I think, probably for the Cowboys. Or I mean, we talk about this every time we do a show together, but like Hunter Henry is just the starting tight end for yeah. the New England Patriots. Or, or Tyler Conklin. And he's like, like pretty just- good. Yeah, yeah. Like Tyler, pretty good. not great. Tyler Con- Tyler Conklin is going to have like a seventy eight percent route share for the Jets, and just no one wants him. No one, know? no one cares. No one cares, and it's like so. Yeah, obviously, uh, I mean, I like my my pet projects, my Richie James's and my Deontay Hardys and stuff, and that's more the spike week stuff. But I actually think because just acknowledging, we're going to have so many dead roster spots from these teams we're drafting right now. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get cut. Uh, you know, the Brock Purdy, Trey Lance thing, the Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill thing, uh, the the Atlanta quarterback situation. I mean, imagine if, imagine what happens to ADP if two things happen, if Trey Lance gets traded somewhere and if Ryan Tannehill gets traded somewhere, like imagine the cascading dominoes there and you can just skate in front of that puck right now, I think.
0: Yeah, I guess you can. So you're, you're saying you like taking Levis and Lance for the chances that they get traded somewhere?
1: uh no or no i'm saying the, i'm saying levis i'm saying, saying the exact obviously. opposite i'm saying you take okay. i'm saying you i'm saying well i'm playing the titans like it's levis because i just think they're going to be bad and i think Hale, mm-hmm. like that just makes more sense but i'm totally playing the purdy angle but it doesn't even matter you know replace those names with whoever you want sam howell uh desmond ritter just you know, whatever you want like i think you're getting quarterback starts you know and i think the temptation to be like oh round 18 quarterback start like what does that matter like trevor lawrence is going in the 5th round like getting getting quarterback starts in round 18 uh structurally is actually like a big advantage compared to what it would have been even i i mean last year quarterback adp got high but even like 2 years ago no one was like Geno smith went undrafted last year yeah. you know that's not happening this year because of the way like, like Geno's season last year, actually, if you got that in round 18 this year, it'd be, like, massive because of what you're paying for other ceilings at quarterback.
0: Yeah, that's fair. If you were to hit on a Geno-type thing, and I would say probably Howell is your best bet for, like, a Geno-type of season where, you know, he can he can run around a little bit. He's obviously not totally free, and I'm not really in on Howell because I don't – I think, like, there's a big difference between Jacoby Brissett and Drew Locke as, as competition, but – that would be kind of the most similar bet, right? Like the the guy who's in the lead in an uncertain kind of quarterback situation um, in an, on an offense that does actually have some weapons. So there you go. I said something nice about Sam Howell. He could be this year's Juno Smith. But my thing – so the quarterback stuff I, I want to dive more into because I the tight end thing is kind of like – I think you're kind of having your cake and eating it too a little bit with the late-round tight ends where – You're probably less likely to get a dead roster spot with some of these late round tight ends than at wide receiver and running back. And I, I I guarantee,
1: I guarantee any analysis of that would be true. That that tight ends that that tight ends you draft in round 18 are much more likely to not be zeros than running backs and wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I mean they're just like they're guys who are projected to be NFL starters, like that are just available. Yeah, and they they may not be like full route share guys. Like Noah Fant, you know, is not gonna. You would probably have like a 55, 60% route rate this year. So it's, you know, you could be like, I don't know how great of a pick this is, how high upside it is, but it's also a highly variant position. It's also a position that's driven by touchdowns. So if you were to go, you know, with a couple late round tight ends, even three late round tight ends or whatever, um, I've heard uh, Dan Zach was talking about going four late round tight ends or even five on DraftKings. So you can certainly push that.
1: Uh, I, I, I love three tight ends. I, I like the three tight end builds a lot. Um, You know, obviously it's thin, but they could always be your week 17 flex guy. You know, it's, it's so, so thin, but it like with a quarterback, it literally, it cannot happen. Right. You could have, you, you could have two quarterbacks score 30 points and it doesn't matter. But if you just happen, if Noah Fant and Sam Laporta both have 19 points in week 17, you can use both those points.
0: So this is kind of the thought process I'm, I'm trying to think through with these late-round picks, right? Because that that quarterback point you made is is kind of the key point for me. Like, I I, I kind of like going, if I have Kyle Pitts, why can I not, not take Tyler Conklin and Hunter Henry or whatever? Why do I have to just stop at two? Like, I've already completely punted the capital that I'm spending at tight end to. But I'm taking two cracks at guys who could maybe, you know, catch a touchdown in, in the right week, giving myself another out there. I'm lowering my chances of of finding a dead roster spot in the rounds that are most likely to deliver me a dead roster spot. So that's what I kind of mean with with tight end. I think you can have your cake and eat it too a little bit where you're kind of it's like an advanced advanced rate strategy to get um, you know, to make sure you have enough tight end points over the course of the season, but you're also giving yourself another chance at a very highly variant position. Um, and Lowering your odds, I think, of having dead roster spots come the the fantasy playoffs. Um, Again, this is more of like a May strategy because of, you know, how much uncertainty we're in right now. But that's one way where I'd say, like, to me, those late round tight ends are kind of, they are also doubling as potential spike week guys in the late rounds. Uh, And they also could help you advance. Quarterback, that quarterback three. Yeah, okay, if you need the quarterback three to advance. I'm not going to argue, but if you have like quarterback points already set and you're tacking on like a Desmond Ritter, like I just think that's bad because what are are the odds that he hits your lineup in the, in the late rounds? And that's, that's kind of what I mean about spike week hunting. Like I'm not spike week hunting with, with a Desmond Ritter. That just doesn't make sense to me.
1: No, but you could be, you could definitely be spike week hunting with Brock Purdy or even Mac Jones, honestly. Although I do keep coming back to the Purdy, I buy this well if mac jones had a different week 17 game or opponent but i just i've stared into my crystal ball and i just know that that game is ending 21 to 10 with three damian harris rushing touchdowns in week 17 that that buffalo new england game (laughs) like like honestly all i mean we do we do joke we get kind of glib about this stuff but the the week 17 polar vortex shit is so real i mean some of these games like we literally almost had it like weren't Weren't some of the games in week 17 last year, like three degrees outside and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, there was, it didn't end
1: up being quite as bad as it. It, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. Like it Wasn't it four- week
0: 16 or something? There was there was weather, but I think it hit more the week before.
1: Right. Okay. I think, you know what? I think that's right. But I mean, just like compare New England and Buffalo, a game that these two teams played two years ago in howling wins where the Patriots threw a forward pass three times to something like Indianapolis, Las Vegas—that's taking place in a dome between two teams that are probably eliminated from playoff contention. Like those games, like those games are just going to have so much more scoring on average. I think.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I, Pete. Pete, I won't share exactly who this was, but Pete sent me a, a screenshot of someone in his Discord. They were talking about how this, I think, is supposed to be an El Nino year, and how that might affect
1: the week 17 weather we've gone we've gone too far we we, you know this is this is a real this is a real uh uh dr malcolm from jurassic park bit like we 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 never we've gotten so deep in the week 17 weeds. we never stopped to ask if we should you know yeah (laughs) that's right
0: yeah. I mean
1: <laughs> the El Nino the El Nino weather patterns. Oh my god, dude. That's really <laughs> something.
0: Yeah, so just so you know, if you listen to this and think Davis is all the way down the rabbit hole, he isn't. He's not all the way down. The rabbit hole goes even deeper on the week 17 weather. Um but yeah, I think Purdy, Purdy, I think is an exception where he's shown that he could be uh, you know, a pretty valuable fantasy playoff quarterback his odds of starting early in the season aren't great which is impacting his uh his ADP right now you I think maybe could like you know seasons where he misses the first 6 games but then comes in um could be he could still be pretty awesome if you can get him to the playoffs so I think he's he's an exception to the general rule and I've mixed him in more on DraftKings but um but in general yeah I so okay if we're now thinking about like running back and wide receiver with this type of stuff, you know, I guess I'm when I'm talking about like spike week hunting, I've been more going for like the taekwon Thornton's and the Deontay Hardy's, um, the Quez Watkins types.
1: As opposed like, as opposed jobs. to as opposed to Robert Woods types.
0: Yeah, as opposed to Robert Woods types, guys who I think like have a little bit of uh, you know, that they can get downfield or I think they're interesting players. Cedric Tillman going for more for like rookies, but guys who are, you know, very cheap and decent draft capital. Um, and I think we'll have a good, good, good odds of a job by the end of the season or certainly good odds for that range. So I'm actually maybe not going for like the, the scratch off running backs and hoping to hit like a home run. Um, because in in some ways I think that's almost more of an advance rate type of play. Like you're just ha- hoping to hit like the smash, the ultra smash in the late rounds. I'm almost playing it a little more conservative, but with the idea of I'm going to, you know, at least give my chance myself a chance to, to not have a dead roster spot and have this guy, you know, catch a 40 yard bomb or whatever in the fantasy playoffs.
1: I mean, I think, I, I guess to me, it, it, it sort of comes down to team construction. Like, if I have a zero RB team, I'm still probably taking round 18, round 17, running backs. Um, or if I have a team that is, that I have, like, let's say I have a, a Kelsey Mahomes team or a Lamar uh, Andrews team, or I just couldn't help myself and I took Kyle Pitts again, so I, I only want to do two quarterbacks and two tight ends. I mean, and I want to have extra wide receivers too, because in this I probably got buried by the avalanche at some point. So I just need I just need more numbers. Um, I'll still take a Deontay Hardy or a Richie James or whatever in in round eighteen. But I, I I almost sort of think optimal drafting right now in May is three quarterback teams with two tight ends or two quarterback, three tight end teams. Um, where you're shoring up those positions late. Like say, you know, uh, you have an A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts team. And in round 17, you take Mac Jones and and Hunter Henry or whatever. Like, because the... As
0: your quarterback two?
1: As your quarterback two, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, mind you that really, at all. You really push it.
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't mind that at all. That's a, I think that's an interesting way to take advantage of, you know, if you like some of these late round quarterbacks, you probably don't need that much out of your, your quarterback two on a Jalen Hurts team. So pushing it all the way to the end. And also you've paid more for Jalen Hurts than like we've ever paid, you know, in, in the modern fantasy football era. So it makes sense to, to try to keep it cheap at quarterback too. Cause you really need Hurts to, you've bet on a massive season from Hurts. So play it like that. Um,
1: hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's uh that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. And I mean, the, uh, the, thing I, the, the point I want to make with late-round running backs, though, and this was kind of why we had this conversation, is I think the biggest payoffs, though, in terms of like closing line value, obviously uh, neglecting injuries, right? Like some running back is going to get injured and his backup is going to raise 100 spots in ADP. But there are a bunch of situations. I went through some of the backfields. So there are a bunch of situations where I expect the market to declare a winner at some point. Uh, Dearness Johnson, great example of this last year. Like the market just decided... Uh, either one someone was going to get cut or Dearness was going to be involved. Uh, kind of yeah, hilarious because he just, he, he ended up doing nothing last year, but he was like a round 14 pick by, by, by the time everything closed. I'm like, that's going to happen this year with a, a bunch of these guys.
0: Yeah. So I, yeah, let's dive into this. Cause I actually, especially as we move forward, I want to start being a little bit more aggressive on some of these running back picks. Cause I think if you were to hit some of these guys, it's, it is huge. Um, so if we talk through, I think there's a difference between like guys who we decide are the number two and guys who like have given us some real evidence that they are the number two. Um, and this would be like kind of the P Ryan Evans thing. And there's a number of ambiguous backfields, um, where I think we're basically going to knight a guy and be like, you are the RB2. We, we're already doing that, right? We're already do- with a lot of the rookies, we're doing that. Um, and it's just like, we maybe don't have as much evidence that the guy is actually the RB two. We did this with Tyrion Davis price last year. Um,
1: oh, God. sounds like
0: we might. Yeah.
1: I mean, we, I really fell for that one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did too. I had a lot of him, but so I went through and you talk about the veteran running back thing. So if we're looking for the next uh, Samaji P Ryan, I went through and looked at running backs who had at least 50 attempts last year. Had a PFF running uh, grade of at least 60, which is, like, not horrible, basically. Right. Um, Jarek McKinnon was below that, but, you know, that's not really what he does. But, like, it was, you know, basically, I think, like, 80 or 90 backs finished above that. It's not not super high bar last year. But, um, and then also, uh, no other running back on their team had it had 50 attempts so they had 50 plus attempts no other running back except the the guy ahead of them did um and then they are not currently the number one back being drafted on their roster and they're on the same team that they were last year so that's the okay. that's the screener and that, that it's, uh, pretty, it's a Piran. pretty big screen it's pretty big screen yeah p Ryan hit all of those. He had sure. 58 attempts in 2021. Chris Evans only had 19. P. Ryan had a 65.2 rushing score. You which... including
1: targets in this?
0: No, just attempts. I, I just ran it real include, quick. I One think you should
1: include that. targets, but sure. Yeah, whatever, probably. whatever. Yeah. I, I I got you, though. I got you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we could we could dial this in for sure. But I just ran it like 10 minutes before we did this pod. So,
1: sure.
0: um, and then, yeah, obviously, Mixon was the top guy in 2021, and we expect him to be the top guy in 2022. So that's kind of the Piran screener. All right, so here's the guys that came up: Tyler Algier, um, which actually is I cheated because Cordell Patterson had over 50 attempts, so he's actually he actually doesn't count. Uh, but he had so many attempts, he had 210 attempts that I I, uh, I.
1: You just wanted any excuse to mention Tyler. I just Algier. wanted to mention Tyler Algier.
0: <laughs> Plus he tackles so well; his tackling form is amazing. All right, yeah. uh, Gus Gus Edwards. Chuba Hubbard. He is
1: so forgotten about, by the way. Like, I just need to make a mental note of that to myself because I I forgot about him. I haven't even been drafting him, but he's. Still I've been drafting Gus some Edwards. Gus
0: Edwards because he yeah. he kind of is clearly, I think, the RB two. Um, so anyway, yeah, Gus Edwards, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, by the way, Hubbard, the only one of these who does not have the same coaching staff as last year, so that's maybe a slight concern with him. But he had 95 attempts last year. 81.8 rushing grade. Really good. Uh, A.J. Dillon. Obviously not a late round guy. Joshua Kelly. Could be interesting to talk about. Jeff Wilson. uh, Alexander Madison. uh, Which he maybe doesn't even count because he sometimes goes ahead of Cook now. Matt Breida. Jalen Warren. Elijah Mitchell. And Antonio Gibson.
1: So funny on that list to see what names people are like, yeah, that guy is like a 13th round pick versus absolutely undraftable, you know, like Brita Brita's like, no one cares. Nobody cares. He's the same role. I mean, I don't know. You could, you could, you could, um, you know, talk yourself into Eric gray or whatever, but it, it is kind of fun. It is kind of funny to just see like the market is efficient to some degree, but obviously it is not all knowing.
0: No. And Breed is tough because he had 61 attempts and Brightwell had like 30 attempts. So he didn't have like, he like barely cleared the 50 attempt threshold, but, and also like, he's, he's not going to display. He has no like P Ryan upside where he kind of starts to displace Barkley a little bit, you know? Right.
1: None. Yeah,
0: none. Um, And they added a rookie, but I don't, the guy who jumped out to me was Josh Kelly. But are we disrespecting Josh Kelly? Is he this year's P Ryan?
1: i just like i will how many how many chargers running backs have we have we lucy and footballed you know it's like I, honestly the structural i guess not structural the organizational incompetence to find a single running back who is like doesn't set the house on fire when austin eckler subs out just like makes me not want to take these guys even though like i i totally get it you know like a Sony Michelle was involved for like goal line rushes for this team last year. That's how dire it was, you know.
0: Yeah, Sony Michelle had thirty six attempts last year in ten games. Kelly had seventy five attempts in fourteen games. Uh, Kelly had a seventy point two PFF rushing grade. Um, he also had sixteen receptions to Michelle's nine. Uh, ran over twice as many routes. Well, I don't know. He had twenty four targets to Michelle's thirteen. Not that he's going to like this place uh, because he definitely won't, but he could. We know that Eckler is not, you know, the classic short yardage type of back. Yeah, there's 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 he's,
1: he's classic. He's classic little bit, little bit of standalone value, continued value guy.
0: Exactly. And like totally free right now. Um, Gus Edwards jumped out a bit. Jeff Wilson, we both like uh, anyone else on the list
1: um those were those were Warren I love well well Warren is like I don't know I'm gonna have zero Najee Harris for the third year in a row so probably I'll have I'll I, I take I take Warren a good bit I mean Warren I this is one of those things that's sort of like when you zoom out and you forget about watching football all the time like there was a stretch where Warren was just pretty much in a timeshare with first round rookie Najee Harris, you know, to So after uh, he Jalen Warren missed week 11 with injury, came back and played 20% of the snaps against Atlanta, but then from weeks 13 to weeks, 18, 40%, 34%, 31%, 40%, 42% of the Pittsburgh Steelers snaps.
0: I mentioned this on ship chasing last night. If you look at the receiver ratings at running back last year, um, the overall ratings, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Jalen Warren are the top three. Then Deion Jackson, uh, who didn't make this list because Zach Moss was also involved last year, Joe Mixon, Jerick McKinnon. Oh my God, um,
1: Dion Jackson. There's a there's a guy that we should probably be taking. as, like uh, like it's it's a, one of those things where when the guy's like almost a first round pick and then his backup is undrafted, you gotta be. It's like that's like wind horse meme. Like what's going on here?
0: Well, Evan Hall is sort of the the fly in the ointment there, right? But
1: didn't didn't we just do this though? Didn't we just do like the Dave? I know, Ray but Ripley? I like that shiny toy. Yeah. No. I mean, I I like yeah. I, which is why I mean that's why these guys are going undrafted, right? You know, the fact that the fact that there is uncertainty at all. Like if we knew Deion Jackson was for sure the running back too, he'd be he'd go where Warren goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think that Warren and maybe Warren more than even Hubbard, because I like Hubbard a lot, but like Warren has this thing of he's he actually flashed some talent. He, you know, was a solid rusher. Really good as a receiver. Um, he's behind a guy who stinks. Like Najee Harris stinks. I mean, and he also Najee Harris is going into year three, right? I was gonna
1: say this is we finally saw we saw Clyde basically get put out to pasture in year three. So it's it's not impossible that Najee gets that they're just like all right, like we're we're done trying to make this work with you.
0: Year three, when we started hearing noises about the Jaguars not liking Fournette. You know, I think year three is when you start to see these teams be like. It's yeah, it's
1: there. when year three was when they cut Fournette, right?
0: Is that right? I thought maybe it was year four. I can't okay. remember.
1: No, I gotta look. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, Okay. So he made it. He made it through. It was. He made it through the third year. Year four, he was cut. Yeah.
0: Okay. But I remember hearing like they really don't like him and stuff. You're th- going into year three. I think is when we started to hear that. Yeah. Um. So. You know, you've got, you've got the Najee Harris thing. Like maybe that organizational commitment is starting to, to waver a little bit. Um, also, you know, he's a late round running back, so it doesn't need to waver week one. It needs to waver down the stretch, which is, you know, when it right. would be more likely to. Um, and also Najee Harris protects Jalen Warren with that draft capital. They're not going to bring in anyone else for competition because they don't want to They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. They spent a first round pick on Najee Harris. They're not going to do that. They're like, we're we're covered, covered at running back. So I think he gives you this thing of like, like I don't know. Like he could be. I don't want to steam him up, but he could be going. I think even quite a bit higher just because of the like the certainty that he gives you of of what the bet is. It's not that the bet is like necessarily comes with like that much higher payoff than others. But it's
1: Alexander Madison in years past, where just because we knew so much that he was the running back too, he would go. He would be like running back forty.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about Warren. Like we we really do I think maybe have that kind of certainty, almost an Alexander Madison level certainty. Maybe not that he would get this is maybe the difference. I don't know that Warren would come in and get every touch like Alexander Madison has.
1: Oh, I I think he probably would. He probably would.
0: But he's yeah. he's a he's not that big.
1: Like so who, are, would... who are who are who are their other remaining cuz Benny I don't think Benny Snell's on the team anymore. I want to say they cut McFarlands too.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, they have they still have McFarland according to ESPN, and Jason Huntley. But yeah, Snell Snell no longer there.
1: Alfonso Graham. That's a good name. That is a good <laughs> that is a good Steelers running back name.
0: <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about like your philosophy on this because you mentioned it like before we uh started potting, we were kind of talking about topics. You were talking about like how, like what if you had. Gone all in on Piran. Like if you had hit instead of being even, you just like went in and had had all the Piran. You'd be like in such a better position. But obviously, like it's hard. This is hard to do. It's hard to predict. So, do you plan to like take big stands in the late rounds or mix it up or what's what's optimal?
1: I mean, I'm mostly I'm mostly mixing it up right now just because it's hard to be so definitive about anything. Which is kind of mentally weak though because missing on your 18th round picks just does is not really going to matter. It's not really going to, I mean, there are, there are many great polls that people have had on this. Like, you know, Benjamin has a, had a 10% advance rate his rookie year. Right. When everyone was taking him. Right. Which is kind of like, well, sharp drafters were taking him, but again, it indicates like, it just doesn't matter if you get literally, like literally, you know, Benjamin recorded zero snaps as a rookie, I think. Well, zero fantasy points he may have gotten on the field for special teams or something. I don't really remember. But point is, it you he was know, a road it, of his
0: it, darling. He was kind con- he, he, checked a lot of analytical boxes. And so he ended up being on teams of people that are obsessed with fantasy football.
1: Um, but then to, the, to, to the converse of that second round pick last year, who did nothing, Javon, just, just to, just to indicate how little one player really does anything to your advance rate or to your winning percentage, Javante Williams, had a 5.5% advance rate last year. So so slightly below average when you got, what do you get? You got like three games, three and a half games, two and a half games out of Javante Williams or something like that. So I think it just, we sort of view every pick as so important and we're like, oh, you know, you, we really stress about it. Um, I mean, one, so much of it is out of our control anyways in terms of uh, advancing and the layer... More I think more important, the layering of points matters so much, obviously. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the layering of
0: points matters a ton.
1: Like which like, did you okay? You you drafted uh two really shitty tight ends, but they happen to play perfect ping pong, and you got like 11.5 and a half half point PPR points per game out of your tight ends because they just layered their points like and that that is like literally uncontrollable. (coughs) I just thought of like
0: the, the worst, nerdiest, like you've gone too far tilt, which is that you hit on two tight end spike weeks in like week 13, but they happen that they happen the same week. You're like, Oh, dude, my flex. Oh,
1: exactly. I, like, couldn't literally exactly. Him? Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, Oh, uh, you know, I, I drafted, um, so in my Mahomes stack, I have Richie James and Marquez Valdes Scantling, but it just so happened that every time those guys scored the other one scored in a game. So they each score four, <laughs> they each score four touchdowns in a season. But they happen to do it in the same game every time. And those are the games <laughs> Kelsey doesn't do good or something. So you literally you got you got way above expectation. You got eight touchdowns out of your round 14 and your round 18 wide receiver picks, and you used you got like 37 cumulative points out of those guys, you know, just the way it breaks. Because they down. hit
0: they hit the same weeks.
1: Right. And which is I mean, it is literally uncontrollable. There's no degree like we are never gonna reach a level of sophistication. Um, in, no, that in, is like, called projecting. randomness.
0: That's variance. It, that's, it's it's yeah. simply
1: randomness. So, you know, it, it kind of leaves you have two minds, right? One of them being like, yeah, just draft, you know, uh, take whoever you want in round 18 because who knows. But structurally, I think these things are really important. And, and, and I'm not doing this myself because I just gave you that example of like how awesome would it have been to have 30% Ryan or 30% CPAT or whatever. But I, I am drafting like a coward. Like the guy I feel most conviction on uh, in round 18 right now is not a running back or a, a wide receiver. It is a tight end, uh, Jake Ferguson. And hmm. I've got some exposure to him uh, in, in Best Ball Mania, but not like I've uh, got 19% Jake Ferguson, right? Which is like, that's pretty reasonable. But like my degree of conviction is way higher than that. Like, I think Jake Ferguson is just going to be the starting tight end for like a pretty good passing offense all year long. Um, And I'm still kind of and there are like roster construction reasons for that or whatever. But that's still kind of middling it.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, Ferguson's a guy that I don't know why exactly, but I haven't been that excited about. I have taken him only he is the most. He
1: the most Blake Jarwin ass Dalton Schultz at. Like, there's nothing fun or exciting about him. I don't think.
0: Well, he is free and could be the starting tight end on the Cowboys, which is kind of fun. Um, I have four percent of him in all of my post-best ball draft teams. So a little, little so underweight. Although year... he goes undrafted some, right? So I guess maybe I'm not quite right. as underweight as, as that might seem.
1: So last year, as a uh fourth round rookie uh he played uh 16 percent of the snaps in his first career game then he played 56 percent of the snaps in his second career game pretty pretty big um which which you kind of like and uh on the season he ends up playing something like well, just, let's let's here i can i can find it uh he played a bunch of snaps he played 430 snaps right <laughs> so 40 40 snap share as a rookie Then the the limiting factor, I think, why he doesn't go quite so high is they also had another guy playing Peyton Hendershot, who played 298 snaps. So it's not like he was out there alone. And Hendershot at Indiana was more of a receiving tight end. He had 136 receptions in four seasons at Indiana. So he's maybe more of like the... But this was, again, to go back, this was the Blake Jarwin-Dalton Schultz thing, is Blake Jarwin... Was more of the receiving tight end. He played at Oklahoma State. He was more of a receiving tight end, a little bit more athletic. But Schultz was just, Schultz went to Stanford, classic, blocking, get the job done, nothing fancy, but just, you know, do your job and get up, cut up the field. And the Cowboys know that tight end is a real position of need, but they just weren't, they didn't want to take Kincaid. They, and they thought, I think they, thought they'd be able to get Meyer maybe later. I don't know. It's unclear what they were doing in the first round because they really did want a tight end. Um, but then they basically just decided all the rest of the guys were too expensive. So they took uh shit. I don't even remember the name of the guy they took. Schoonmacher. I, I, and, and maybe it's a, a leak in my game, but I've got, I've got no Schoonmacher <clears throat> and a bunch of Jake Ferguson.
0: Pendershot. What if he's the guy? He's still on the roster. He
1: he totally could be. Maybe, maybe that's the way to middle it. Or maybe it's it this this ends up being a uh like um like a Colby Parkinson Noah Fant situation where Parkinson plays more snaps, but Fant gets more targets and routes or whatever. It it could it could definitely be that where Ferguson plays more, but Hendershot scores six touchdowns or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty out on Schoonmacher. Uh he had I know his second round pick, but he uh he peaked with 418 receiving yards um not like that great of a receiving prospect and ferguson actually did show some receiving ability he had um he actually only had 450 receiving yards at his peak but it was a 24% dominator rating over a 13 game season which is pretty good for a tight end. Every three, three every Cowboys tight
1: end looks the exact same. They all wear a number in the 80s. They all stand really upright and they all fall down immediately after catching the ball. This goes, yeah. this goes all the way back to Jason Witten. They all play it, the exact Yeah, they same all have way. to do
0: Yeah, they all I mean, we should do DNA testing and make sure they're not all clones of Jason Witten. I think we It's
1: like I I literally with without with their helmets on and watching on a TV angle from not an all 22 angle, no one can tell the difference between Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, and Peyton shot. Absolutely no chance. <laughs> Literally no way. That would be such a great game. They all they uh, – you, you'd just have to guess. You'd guess. Schultz, 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 Uh, like, obviously was, you know, pretty good for Dallas last year, but I think their willingness to be like, yeah, whatever, dude, you can go play for Houston, shows that, like, well, they, they view it as kind of fungible.
0: And Schultz is, like, was clearly, in my opinion – overdrafted last year like he was someone that i was not drafting a ton of and he's kind of the classic like oh god we you know we just decided like it's kind of like the old school late round quarterback thing where i don't think we do very well with the tight ends who just like aren't that good and it's like oh he's gonna get fed he's gonna get lots of targets so let's draft let's draft it like that's gonna happen um that is not that easy to predict because like the issue is that like Dalton Schultz isn't very good. Like he's good at blocking a dude and running a little squiggle route where he, you know, you go up, you turn right. He is, he is,
1: he is really good at that. Like little rub routes, like to be, to be fair to him, he is really good at that, but he's not, uh, Kyle Pitts.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's not Mark Andrews. He's not, you know, he's not any of these guys who can stretch the seam can do. I mean, Kittle's less of like a seam stretcher, but he's amazing after the catch. Um, doesn't have schultz has nothing like that he's the he's the he's filling he's filling snaps well and so
1: yeah that is that is literally what he's doing he's filling snaps
0: yeah so i don't know i mean if we could find the next guy who comes in and And that's that's
1: all i expect jake ferguson to do but getting that guy in round 18 and and if you don't like jake ferguson take schoonmacher take hendershot i don't care but that this is and and i think by the way probably like in august the winner of this is going to end up going round 15, you know? Yeah. I would imagine.
0: I agree. Are there any other late round tight ends kind of in this archetype? I mean, Tyler Conklin strikes me as one.
1: McBride to me.
0: McBride, yeah. Are you worried at all about Ertz at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ertz Gerald always remains, um, you know, I've actually taken Ertz a couple times because I looked into it. I, I've been I've been, you know, in in the athletic streets and stuff, and it just it, I don't think Zach Ertz has any plans on retiring or not playing. Um, just seems like he's he's for sure gonna be there. But I actually have the reverse concern of you. I'm not worried about Ertz later in the year because the Cardinals are gonna be like two and fourteen and Zach mm-hmm. Ertz is gonna be like, you know, Hopkins is gonna be shut down with a phantom injury, Hollywood Brown's gonna be like, I'm not making enough money for this shit. Kyler is gonna be like, yeah, you know, I mean, my ACL still works, but we got to see what we have in Clayton Tune. So uh, I, I actually don't even think Clayton Tune's on Arizona. It's just a good name. So I, I think I, I same same logic between like drafting like Greg Dortch or whatever. Like we'll get the Greg Dortch thirteen target, eleven reception, fifteen yard game in week seventeen against uh, against the Eagles. Because I just think what like why would veterans even be playing in that game? Like Arizona, Arizona wants to set themselves up to if arizona gets the number one pick next year and they have the option of either trading away kyler murray or trading away the pick that becomes caleb williams that could that could be a one-year rebuild it could be a one like arizona could set themselves up to, to win the, <clears throat> the nfc west two years from now with that trade package
0: yeah although who's trading for that kyler murray contract if he looks bad
1: <sighs> the washington commanders <laughs>
0: that's correct
1: yeah yeah <laughs> They, Your crystal they, ball they, is working. <laughs> they can't like, they cannot wait. They can like new, new billionaire, new, new billionaire purchase the team. They watch 17 mm. games of Sam Howell and, uh, and Jacoby Brissett. And they're like, Nope, no more of that. <laughs> no more <laughs> of that. I need something better. I need you bring me a Heisman trophy winner to play quarterback.
0: Oh God. Yeah. We'll get uh, whoever the Eagles offensive coordinator is this year. Heading over to Washington. With uh, with Caleb Williams, um, <clears throat> I'm tr- I was looking at my late round tight ends. Uh, I mean, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's pretty high up there. It's uh, he's he's falling a little bit. He's almost in the late rounds now.
1: Uh, what Tyler what, Higby what is, is Tyler what? Higby? Yeah, same doing deal. For same you? deal. Ty- yeah, of course. Tyler Higby is is Tyler Higby. You know, he's the same guy he's been his entire career. Never going to change. About, about 600, 700 yards, five touchdowns, but three of those touchdowns are going to come in one game. And imagine if it all comes against the New York Giants in week 17.
0: That's such a great point. Yeah, he always does seem to have that one random spike, which usually week two or week three, it does nothing for anyone. But, he did it um, last year. He did it last year, and he stunk last year. But he's a guy, he's going to he's gonna be out there running around. Cade uh, Otten, does he do anything for you?
1: Like, 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 conceptually, sure, because he, C- Kate Otten <clears throat> is the exact same argument as Jake Ferguson, but I I do take Dak and I do take Goff some percentage of the time. I, I, I don't think I've clicked Baker's name yet, because there's no reason to right now, because I like Purdy so much more, and you could just take Purdy.
0: Right, yeah. That's how I haven't clicked Baker either. I, I like Purdy a lot more. So, yeah, he's not like exactly a stacking guy, but I don't know. You could do a bring back on some Derek Carr Saint stuff with K. Otten.
1: With you that. definitely could. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, he ran 510 routes last year. Cambray 261. Uh, and he looks – I think he's probably more of the traditional tight end than Cambray. Cambray was always kind of viewed as like more of a receiving type of outlet guy. So.
1: And Cam- I don't know. Cambray I mean, I do re- think there's – What'd you say? And Cam Braid is like retired.
0: Is he? Is he still on the team or not?
1: Uh, he's be on the not, team.
0: I, might be like a smash.
1: I believe. I believe it is just Co Co and Kate Otten. Yeah, I, I am correct. Not on the team wow. anymore. <laughs> Why aren't we drafting Otten? Doten? Buccaneers stink.
0: Yeah, but that might be good for their tight end.
1: I mean, I I think it. Very well, and but just <clears throat> the thing is, and people will say things like this when when talking about tight ends is like, oh, like am I really excited for 500 yards and four touchdowns? And the answer is yes. You yes. really 500 yards and four touchdowns uh, is like a slam dunk for your 18th round's tight end. Uh, you know that roughly translates into like 90 ish points without accounting for that point. So it's like that's like 120 points probably, um, roughly something like that, and that's a smash that is a smash
0: so here's kind of what i'm talking about with like the the hunting for spike weeks thing again like the the may philosophy i'm trying to think through i want to open up the app in december and i don't want to see dead roster spots and i can see myself going okay yeah i have kate otten on this team kate otten has had like a 65% route rate all year. And the Buccaneers are even worse than we thought they were going to be. And he's done, he's doing absolutely nothing, but like, he is going to play this week versus like Luke Schoonmacher who like has been a healthy scratch all year. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like there is something or like even Jake Ferguson, like we were wrong. Like it wasn't Jake Ferguson. It was, it was Hendershot. Still be
1: active. Jake <clears throat> Ferguson is not getting cut. I guess
0: that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe, a running back would be a better example of this where, you know, I'm like, yeah, I you, took you went white. all White.
1: You wa- you went all in on Travion Williams, and it turns out they do really like Chase Brown, and it wasn't fake, and Chris Evans gets to make the roster because he plays special teams or something.
0: Yeah, 100%. Or Evan Hall is like a rookie, you know, who didn't – he's nothing. It's In fact, it is Deion Jackson, and you took Evan Hall. Right. So I tried to guess right, and I was wrong. That guess, if I was right, would be like, potentially have a really high payoff over the course of the entire season. But, you know, if I've I've hit like consecutive singles throughout all of the late rounds, is that in in and of itself a home run? You know, if I single, 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 that I feel like could be a late run. That could be a late round home run for me in combination. Whereas if I swing for the fences every time and I hit like once, like, which would you rather? Would you rather hit like four singles or one home run in the late rounds?
1: In may, probably four singles.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine three.
1: playing it that way. I'm fine. I'm fine in may playing for singles, uh, in, as we get closer to, as we, we get knowledge of injuries, as we get knowledge of like put, reporting on camp battles and things like that. I'm, I'm less comfortable hitting singles. In fact, I think drafting for singles at that point is probably bad, right? But, I, and I mean, obviously, like I can acknowledge like both viewpoints. Like the the Pirine thing is is uh, the the best example is Cordarrelle Patterson. The the best example of the round eight, uh, he, I think he finished like running back nine in the end of in, in half point PPR the year. He really broke out for Atlanta. But like, how many? That's a good question. How many home runs do you think are even theoretically available? Right, like not like not, not that, many. that many.
0: Maybe maybe two guy yeah. who like just, just takes the job or, you know, is like, like a true home run. Like I would have, I would have selected this guy on every single roster. If I knew he was going to have the overall season that he had, I think. And I don't, so Zay Jones is not an overall home run. Zay Jones had a couple nice spike weeks at the end. That's not what I mean.
1: I no, I think, I think <clears> you got to count. I think you have to count Zay Jones as a home run actually.
0: Because he because he was productive enough over the course of the year.
1: Because if you if you limit it if you limit it to like a guy who really broke out and had a lot of week seventeen points, it's like that. Just that you know you run that screen on on Pro Football Reference and you might just have no one. Um, okay, like, all right, like we'll count say
0: Jones because he he was he was a productive player throughout the year. So uh,
1: the the twenty like twenty twenty one Eli Mitchell, great example. Like went went great completely example. undrafted, but got hurt at the end but he was so good. He was so good. You'd still take
0: him on like a hundred percent.
1: still so good. So good for your advance rate. Like we can't, we can't eliminate like if, if a guy, if being, if taking Zach Ertz or Jake Ferguson or, or Jelani Woods or whoever it is, if that guy makes your advance or if you get, if you advance four more extra teams, because you took that guy instead of getting zeros there, it's worth a lot of like theoretical dollars. Like a, like a, actually like a
0: lot of theoretical yeah. dollars. Yeah. Let's, let's do it like that. Like I scramble the guy's game log and tell you, here's this guy's game log. Uh, You don't know the order of it. Would you take this guy on hundred percent of teams? I think Zay Jones is maybe below the baseline for that. He had a 31 point game at 17 to 20. And then everything else was, Oh, he had a 19 and a half. Okay. He's probably like a, he squeaks over the fence. You would
1: someone. you would have taken Zay Jones on every team. You would have taken Zay Jones. <clears throat> I think that's team.
0: right. I think that's right. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um but yeah, there's probably like two guys, like a James Robinson type of outcome, Cordell Patterson. So so but but Zay Jones, right? Zay Jones is swinging for a single and the ball carries. Right. There was
1: there was an error there was an error there was an error in the outfield and then the guy overthrew third base and he actually like he ended up he ended up sliding into third for a triple,
0: exactly, yeah. So he's yeah and then somehow <laughs> somehow he advanced he advanced the the I don't know what happened after that but he he scored he scored so but he's a veteran who you know was signed to a, a decent contract um and we were basically just like, this guy has a job. He's a veteran, has a job. That's a single play. You know, that's more like the Van Jefferson or, you know, one of these other like kind of late round wide receivers that were just like, well, I know he's going to be out there. Um, When you're swinging traditionally for the home runs, I think you're going more for like, you know, the James Robinson or like a miles Gaskin, you know, one of these backs who kind of emerges, as like the starter from an un- ambiguous situation, but you take on more risk of being wrong. Like you land on Rykel Armstead, you know, you land on, oh, I
1: drafted some Rykel Armstead.
0: I can't even remember who the other dolphins running backs were. Cause we weren't really drafting Patrick Laird that year. That's before that. It was,
1: um, uh, <clears throat> Jordan Howard was involved.
0: Was it? No, Ahmed was involved, but he, we didn't even know. Him. We didn't even know. Yeah, there was someone, it was, it was, was it Brita? It was, I think it was Brita.
1: Okay, here. I, I think we was, decided okay. it was Brita. We we got Matt Brita, Jordan Howard, Lynn Bowden, Malcolm Perry. Yeah, it was uh it was a mess. It was a mess.
0: So <clears throat> here's the thing that happened. I mean, you you lamented not having more Piron. You gotta <clears throat> you gotta really look in the mirror on this Miles Gaskin thing because I listened to a podcast with He told you us
1: he told us, buddy.
0: You, Patrick Laird, and Pete Overzet. He to- he literally told you it was Miles Gaskin, and we. I mean, I listened to it and then didn't draft he Myles Gaskin either. He
1: dra- in his fantasy draft, he took Miles Gaskin, and Pete and I were like, "That's cute." You know, he took his buddy. <laughs> he just moved on. You're-
0: <laughs> so, here's the other thing. You he he is in an ambiguous backfield again this year. We we've got to get Laird's take on who the number two is, or maybe even the number one in
1: Tampa Bay. I, I did. I had that sneaking thought earlier. It's like, what if it's just Keyshawn Vaughn? What if, what if this coaching staff is just like, you know what, Rashad White, whatever, dude, Keyshawn Vaughn, it's your, it's your backfield kid.
0: I mean, that would be like very NFL coach. If they were just like, Oh, we liked Keyshawn Vaughn. He, he looked good in blocking drills. Um, on let me pull him up in that screener that I did. Bichon Vaughn had only 17 attempts last year. Um and he did not run. He had a 54.2 rushing grade. Um, so he kind of probably not probably not happening.
1: But it could. That's the last well, Patrick, because he, he knows. That's I mean the 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 sick thing about running back is you, you could never be like uh, Richie James like could could be the wide receiver eighteen in fantasy. It's just it's like impossible. He would never earn enough targets. He he's just not that good, right? Right. Right. But Keyshawn Vaughn could totally be the running back eighteen in half PPR. Like no, yeah, I don't yeah, even have could, to squint. I don't even have to squint to imagine that. You know?
0: Yeah. I, I I mean you're you're totally right, and this is why it's alluring to go after some of these ambiguous backfields one that jumps out like, okay, let's talk about the, like the truly ambiguous stuff. Like, are you taking any stabs on the Vikings? That's one that's come up. Evan Silva's really high on Ty Chandler. Yeah. Dwayne McBride, I think is kind of an interesting prospect. How are you, how are you playing the Vikings?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've taken, I I've taken a little bit of both of those guys. I've taken a little bit of McBride and a little bit of Chandler, but that, that actually feels like a great example of the home run thing where, The market in one aspect with Madison's ADP coming up and Cook's ADP going down, you clearly are anticipating something developing there, but then the market's taking no stand on McBride and Chandler. And, you know, one of those guys is going to end up being like a, a viable handcuff and, and they're free right now.
0: Yeah. I took Ty Chandler on a best ball mania team last night. Um, I think I might start. They're, I'm. A, I'm like okay. At least it's one of these guys, you know. And I, I think that maybe they're both like kind of interesting. I also don't think Madison's like that talented, so you know maybe they could kind of eat in, turn it into a committee a little bit. Sure. Um, uh, what about the Raiders? Are you doing anything? Are you doing like Samir White at all?
1: Yes, yes. He that because that one seems like that is fairly obvious. Um, you know, like. I, one of the veteran guys is not even on the team anymore. Which one? Oh, oh. never mind. They're both still there. Maybe I shouldn't. I have been taking Zamir White, but maybe this is just like not understanding the monster that I'm dealing with with McDaniels. Like maybe this is just stupid.
0: Yeah, it is tough because he's like so much theoretically better as a rusher. But that is one of the. I mean, that's like a true home run swing. Like you're you're betting on.
1: Well, he feels like the only one on the <laughs> roster capable of just like taking Josh Jacobs' touches. Like it feels like if you ask Brandon Bolden, Brandon Bolden's got to be like thirty three. Like it feels like if you were like, hey dude, you, you just got to go be Josh Jacobs here. It it feels like he would get hurt like almost immediately.
0: Yeah, and he's been great on special teams, Brandon Bolden. But he
1: is thirty three. He's thirty three. Dead ass thirty three.
0: What is it about the running back position where some dudes are done at 28 and other guys can play until they're 33?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think Brandon Bolden gets done on burst. You know, I think I think it's it's just that cuz cuz coaches like guys who are reliable and dependable and you 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 can rely on Brandon Bolden to do exactly what Brandon Bolden does.
0: That's true. That's true. It it is wild though how some like when David Johnson David Johnson was done at like 27 just oh ended.
1: man. Yeah, he was. What a bummer. I know
0: it was a good run there.
1: He, he um, was so awesome, but it, it just was over. So I mean, obviously I think those guys who are explosive big play type stuff like they, I mean, you see this happen in basketball a lot like point guards who are uh, maybe you're not great shooters, but they're just really quick and explosive. Like once they lose half a step, they can't get open any, they can't get a shot off anymore. And they spent, you know, their, the last 15 years of their adult life developing one style of play. And they, they can't figure out how to play any differently. I'd imagine similar for running backs.
0: Yeah. I could see that. So here's one that's kind of interesting because there was no backup that fit the, the screener, um, the, the P Ryan screener in LA in uh, on the Rams, Kyron Williams, Malcolm Brown, Ronnie Rivers, they all had below 50 attempts last year. Um, Kyron Williams actually ran okay, 74.8 rushing grade, but didn't get used a lot.
1: Do you remember when they started Ronnie Rivers in an NFL game, like like, send a message? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: a Cam Akers. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Cam Aker's a starter who has to be sent Ronnie Rivers type messages. Uh, Not ideal. But like, and then
1: Acres you... was so good to end the year. Very bizarre stuff.
0: I know, um, but Zach Evans is there. I think that's like, if we're talking about kind of home run, shiny toy swings, um, he's he's one that I I like a little bit.
1: Okay, you want to talk about things that we have completely memory hold? Like I didn't remember this until right now. You just dug this out of my memory. The Rams were the opening game of the NFL season last year. So they were, they were the first night. So I remember everyone max entering showdown and we're getting reports like the last two days before that acres actually, isn't the starter. And that Adam Schefter said on TV, he said, Oh, in, in, uh, in the war room, the 16 team league ESPN league that everyone talks about, he's starting Kyron Williams and Kyron Williams is actually the Ram starting running back. That's actually who they wanted. He gets his first career touch, immediate high ankle sprain, has to have it surgically repaired. But I, I, I had, I literally I forgot this happened. I did but too. They were like Ronnie, not Ronnie Rivers. They were like, Kyron, we like Kyron Williams more than we like Daryl Henderson and more than we like Cam Akers.
0: They weren't lying about the Henderson part because they cut him.
1: They cut him mid season. Yeah.
0: I guess it was kind of when
1: Kyron was coming back. So Maybe they really we, like Kyron. If we go back, if we go back and look at this, all right. So, very first game against the Buffalo Bills, Daryl Henderson plays eighty-two percent of the snaps on offense. Um, Cam Akers does nothing. I don't even think he got a touch in this game. Let's see if he did. Uh, Cam Wait, Akers got eighty. Th- Who had eighty? Three- Daryl Henderson played eighty-two oh, percent of snaps Cause, cause in the Wade's first game, right? <laughs> because because Kyron Williams got Kyron Williams got injured on his first career snap um Kyron Williams played how many snaps did he play he might he might have he might have gotten injured on he did he got injured on special teams he got injured on special teams on his very first NFL snap on the opening freaking kickoff one snap high ankle sprain so then Daryl Henderson goes Akers uh I remember because I remember uh there was like a you know, because they do those FFPC drafts after opening kickoff. And there was like, Akers ended up being like a 12th round pick or something. So he plays, but he, he did get 15 carries in week two. I think probably because McVay is like, dude, Daryl Henderson is not the guy. Um, and then he had that he from week eight. This is, dude, what the fuck are the Rams doing last year? <laughs> this is gnarly. So Akers gets hurt. Then from week eight to week 12, he doesn't exceed 39% of the snaps. Uh, He does get 14 carries while playing less snaps than Henderson, then absolutely crushes to end the year, like 70% snap share or greater, 100% snap share in their final game of the season. Um, And then Kyron, I, I mean, I barely remember watching him play, but He's basically the, he basically he was the passing down back during this during this acres thing.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, I, I looked this up and you're right. Schefter was hyping up Kyron Williams. Um, he said he made sure to select Kyron Williams with a late round pick in his fantasy draft. Okay. Windhorse
1: meme. Windhorse meme.
0: I mean, this is the type of stuff. Um, I I was talking to Liam on the podcast last week, and it's like it is a reminder. Like we know so much less than we think we know. Like, like there's immediately, so many spots that was the first about.
1: game of the season, and we were immediately like, we don't know shit.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of spots like this where we just assume we know something and we don't. So, I don't know, like exactly how to. Like, how do how do we benefit from that knowledge? It's hard because it's like we the 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 knowledge is that we have less knowledge than we think. But, you know, well,
1: the, the real answer would be to draft in a more spread way. But but that that is not well, actionable. Is well, it's not it's not that fun. And it's also not that actionable for getting paid off. Right. Because you 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 want to be when you're right. You really want to be right.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. We want to find ways to be more right because, like, the odds like the time commitment for this it's not even, I mean, part of it's bankroll and part of it's time roll. <laughs> Where, like, we don't have how many drafts could you get Because I am not doing you know 300 slow drafts at once, like, I'm not doing that, you know, so
1: doing about 10 a, slow drafts at once
0: that's about the max I can handle. Um, and
1: There's nothing like being in the middle of doing like a fucking annoying life task, like running an errand or going to the post office or whatever and getting a slow draft notification and being like, whatever, I'll deal with it later. And then not dealing with it later and getting auto-picked in a slow draft. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say the exact opposite. I thought you were going to say that you get this reprieve
0: from your dull existence. No, 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 no,
1: no. Cause if I'm, if I'm, I, am I if I'm trying, if I'm like running around or I've got, you know, I'm doing, I'm taking my dog somewhere or something. Like I'm not going to go in and be like, all right, I got to take chase Brown. Like I want to be thinking about what I'm doing. And, uh, sometimes like every once in a while, I just won't, I just won't make it back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was, I tried to multi, uh, table a couple poodle drafts. Like when I had the two monitors going and I looked over at one and I was like, Odo Beckham's on this team. Like, how did that happen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I, I, I have think. taken I I've taken Odell Beckham twice in the last 48 hours just because they were Lamar teams.
0: Yeah, this wasn't a Lamar team. It's just a it's still good old timeout. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the way I'm thinking about this, and it feels like overly conservative, probably is just like I if I think I know less than I feel that I know, then. I don't know how many of these situations I want to dive into and try to be right.
1: Like, so acknowledge, acknowledge that you don't know. Yeah. Use this heuristic that we have of the veterans win these jobs a greater proportion of the time than they don't or don't, or, or use the heuristic that rookies have more upside. It doesn't matter. Yeah, Cause sometimes actually,
0: the rookie, it's the it rookie actually, or the young guy.
1: It actually, in terms of expected value, I don't think, I don't think it matters which heuristic you use, but Making the bet is more profitable than middling it because if you show up with thirty percent Smosh P Ryan, you just you just hashtag supercharge your advance rate.
0: Yeah, that
1: I could see. And that. showing up with thirty percent Chris Evans doesn't matter. Does not matter. Really, is not going to influence your bottom line.
0: It doesn't matter if you also hit on some other stuff. So this would be this maybe would be a good way to wrap this up. So last year on. My winning team, I had Raheem Mostert and Sonny Michelle, so I actually took two shot. Now people forget that Sonny Michelle was on the Dolphins at the
1: time. Yeah, so you you did didn't that. you didn't mean to. You thought you were drafting. You thought you were wait when you drafted that, weren't you drafting Chargers, Michelle? No,
0: I was drafting. Uh, no, I was drafting Dolphins. Michelle. Oh yeah,
1: I mean I love this. I do this all <clears> the time. I'll even take Walker and Sharps together. I don't care.
0: So maybe we do. I mean, this is essentially middling it, but like the nice thing about. Mostert and Michelle was that there was like a good chance that you were getting a dude with a role not just a it wasn't two shots at pure contingency right because it's like Chase yeah, Edmonds they, they is there they
1: could have coexisted
0: exactly well I was thinking that one would coexist with Chase Edmonds that it was going to be kind of a classic 49ers committee you know the, some of these guys are getting touches kind of how it turned out but it turned out that it wasn't Michelle and it wasn't Edmonds. It was what if, Chase, what if Chase
1: Edmonds is the lead running back for the Buccaneers in 2023? Have you <laughs> thought about it?
0: No, no. I won't let myself think about that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but uh an example of this would be maybe um Kyron Williams and Zach Evans. Could be if you just kind of betting against Cam Akers a little bit. Um it's not probably not perfect because there's a chance he just takes all the work. But you see what I mean? Like going after a backfield that's not just ambiguous behind the lead back, but one where we don't even expect that lead back to like be a workhorse. And maybe that's, that's a way to handle this where It's like, I, okay, I burned, I know I created a dead roster spot with this, but I gave my chances of, of hitting on like a meaningful pick, not just a a spike week guy, but someone who might help me advance and who might help me in the playoffs uh, is also much higher. And so I spent two dollars, but now I'm expecting a payout of three dollars, if that makes sense.
1: I mean it's it's hard for me, it's hard for me to say which is actually better. I mean, this is actually like this sort of specific stuff is Leone is gonna be much better at this because he could actually tell you. Like he could he could game this out to some degree and and tell you what is the accurate, just like the, the correct dispersal, you know?
0: Yeah. And he, he looked at the handcuff stuff and I can't remember exactly what he found. Uh, So I guess we should refer to that. Uh, Leone did some research on this. My, my, my
1: gut, my, my gut take is that the handcuff stuff has very hidden advance rate goodness in it because the injuries actually make you a little bit anti-fragile. You know, if you take two guys from the same team and there's not some third guy lurking there. Like, the the Dolphins' backfield, actually, again, from last season, the same thing again this year, taking any two of those three guys together, assuming Dalvin Cook doesn't sign there, I think you have a lot of outs. And it's not insane to me that you could have weeks where both of them count, where, where you actually get, where a chain... Scores a long touchdown and Jeff Wilson Jr. catches six passes and scores a four-yard touchdown or whatever. Um, you know, or or flip the rules around however you'd like. Like, I don't and and even the pure handcuff stuff. Like, let's say you take Jonathan Taylor and Evan Hole, and Jonathan Taylor does what he did last year and just like misses four games, and Evan Hole averages 13 and a half half point PPR points in those games or whatever, probably returns more to you. On average, than the average 18th round pick, and the existence on your roster of the player that is missing the like, I don't know. Someone, someone's got. Leone probably did already answer this. We should literally probably just go read his article. But
0: well, it's I it's pulled it up. Makes he, sense to me. <clears throat> he said handcuffing limits your potential to build super teams. Uh, however, if you're handcuffing for the reasons that uh, Justin theorized at the outset of this article, uh, which I. I don't know what that is because I just skimmed it. The upside comes in the form of pairing unlikely playoff distributions. I think that's kind of what you're talking about with the the leverage part of it. If that's the goal, then you just need to make sure handcuffing doesn't harm your ability to make it into the playoffs in the first place. And there's no evidence based on last year's data to suggest handcuffing is harmful to advance rates. So the idea of getting a low owned, you know, Jonathan Taylor, that's
1: that's the thesis is that is that Jonathan Taylor ends up being, like, a super unique guy in the playoffs, a super unique guy in the final, and you only got him there because Evan Hall came in and did his thing. Um, Like, I had multiple teams last year. You want to talk about real anti-fragile shit? I had multiple teams last year where I took Chuba Hubbard with Christian McCaffrey and ended up getting Chuba Hubbard points because McCaffrey got traded. Obviously, that is, like, we're talking, like, sub-1% probability type stuff. But... It does strike me as an anti-fragile strategy, not not a super team strategy, but definitely a just roll with the punches of the NFL season type strategy. And again, maybe something that's a little bit better in May than in August, when we really are trying to build super teams in August because the market is so sharpened by that point.
0: Well, you're trying. Your odds of hitting on the true nuts in is higher in May, actually.
1: That's true. That's true. Because
0: so it's, maybe maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you, maybe it's the opposite you would handcuff more at the end of the year where you're like, well, I, I can't, I'm not, none of these guys are going to jump up massively in closing line value and all that anyway. So I might as well play for the chaos of the season to help me sneak through. Cause Herzig had Camara on his winning best ball media one roster. Camara had been hurt uh, prior to that, I believe. And he was very low owned. So it, the idea of how do you get this low owned guy? Of course I benefited from like uh much lower owned than you would expect Austin Eckler based on what he did. But that only happened because Justin Jefferson just happened to be much better, you know, at advancing teams, and was also drafted in the first round. And there were no Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler teams. So again, that was like pure randomness. But it did it, you know, that leverage element like definitely helps. So if you could figure out a way, yeah. So the handcuffing thing, maybe maybe we talked ourselves into that. But I do want to go through just a couple more backfields here of of like spots where we could try to take two shots at a, a guy behind a guy who we don't think is going to get like a ton of work or behind, you know, like this wouldn't be Buffalo because Buffalo, we think the combination of James Cook and Damien Harris is going to get a ton of the work. So like, not like that, but more like there's a guy who's going to be um, a lead back, but maybe he's not like an every down workhorse guy. And there's going to be some juice in somewhat of a standalone role Dallas comes to mind would you take I mean Malik Davis we've talked about I
1: take a bunch of Malik Davis you, you're you the one who told me this the other day I think the Cowboys had 589 backfield touches so even in a world where Tony Pollard gets 300 there's still like a lot of meat on the bone there for another guy to produce
0: what about taking like Malik Davis and Deuce Vaughn or Malik Davis and Ronald Jones Or Vaughn and Jones. I mean, with the idea that like Pollard's not going to get.
1: I think I think that I hate. I think I think taking two handcuffs in the same backfield and just saying, "I hope I get one standalone value guy out of there," feels feels bad.
0: What? Okay, so the way that I would make the case for it would actually be to go Davis and Jones because I'm saying I have the early down compliment. The Zeke sign Zeke signing back there would, would ruin I, well, this. I don't, I don't even think know I actually how many, do. How many this,
1: weeks? But. How many weeks are Malik Davis and Ronald Jones both gonna be on the active roster together? You know?
0: The, very few, but you you hit on you guaranteed, not guaranteed, but you've raised your chances of having someone.
1: No, I hate that. I hate that. Okay. That that's like that's like drafting Lance and Purdy together.
0: Well, maybe that's that could work. <laughs> Couldn't that work <laughs> Shit, now that they're both know. free?
1: It it, it it I like that. That's a better DraftKings thing to me. I, I wouldn't, yeah. uh, when you have the 20 roster spots or whatever. And, and look, I mean, dude, it's May 25th. Trying to make some of these picks in the 20th round on DraftKings. You're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, did I just see, did I just see Nate Burleson's name? Like, his, you know, it's like you, you get down there and like, who knows?
0: But you're into taking Wilson and Mostert together.
1: I'm into taking Wilson and Mostert together because they're both going to play every game.
0: Yeah, okay. What about taking Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson?
1: Same same deal. I mean, that, that, they're both, like, week one, the Bears roll out, both, and then who knows what happens after that. I think it'll a lot be dictated by performance, but they're both going to be active and playing.
0: And Khalil Herbert's not exactly like a workhorse, even though he's yeah, I,
1: I've, player. Yeah, I've got no Khalil Herbert. I I think, I think Khalil Herbert is kind of the odd man out, actually.
0: Interesting interesting i actually kind of like him because he's he's uh, he was awesome in, on his limited rushing yeah work, he had a lot
1: of he had a lot of juice
0: yeah um i think that that that's all that's really coming to mind here um but yeah i, I guess you could now the tennessee backs i wouldn't i wouldn't do this with
1: so that's well, what it is the ten, the tennessee the tennessee backups are uh they'll they'll just change it it'll just be They'll just sign some guy who you thought was like retired, you know?
0: Yeah. So the two, the two backfields that I think we're both on board doing this, like spend $2, try to make three is you grab the, the two dolphins backs. Most are, I think
1: that's, I think that's spending four bucks and trying to make 10 the dolphins one.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. And the, and I would also argue that the, the bears is probably spending four and trying to make
1: 10. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: But I think both of those are okay. And then maybe, maybe the Rams spend two, try to make three.
1: I think you could do Uh, the Vikings spend two to make three. Oh, the Vikings is a really good one. Yeah. Because those guys would probably both be active, at least.
0: I might start doing that one.
1: I don't, I just, I don't think this is, this to me is like largely suboptimal though. I don't, I don't, I think you're better off trying to spend $4 to make 10 than trying to spend two to make, three because you could be spending one dollar to make zero 20.
0: dollars oh well one I one to zero
1: saying. or one to 20 is a better payoff than two to three right
0: well if there's a payoff of 20 then you made 20 like are you saying there's right, a different but I, I don't think i don't think more else that you should be targeting
1: just who just whatever your other 17th 18th round picks are
0: okay yeah i think you're,
1: I, I think you're really at that point at, at the point in which you have two guys who are honestly favorites to be zeros you know but in combination are
0: they like ty chandler and dwayne mcbride combined aren't i'm really just trying to get you to not
1: take ronald jones honestly the the advice here the advice here is that i don't (laughs) think ronald jones is a particularly good pick
0: well deuce vaughn i think complicates it because rojo could easily be a healthy scratch all season and
1: it's literally literally exact same situation he was in last year it,
0: and you could have then be like well i have malik davis and that not matter a ton because it, davis is like and, and they could sign zeke so i agree I, i'm not doing the dallas one but i think like the vikings one the vikings one if they keep cook also doesn't work that well um the rams one if they, maybe, keep, they, keep,
1: if they keep cook you are you are dead
0: you're dead yeah the rams one maybe they just feed cam acres so that could be that could be an issue and the team could be so bad that having their backup running back is like you made, you spent $2 and made one and a half. (laughs) You know what I mean? Even if you hit on the guy, it might not be worth anything, but I don't know. I think the, the bears and the the dolphins one is kind of interesting. Um, any handcuffs that you're actually eyeing up any, any dudes you actually handcuff
1: in like what context, like drafting them together.
0: Yeah. Like literally handcuffing
1: uh well the doll i mean i the, the dolphins one um uh i think you could do swift and Gainwell, and you're getting the you're huh. getting the you're getting the passing down guy in philadelphia for sure jerome ford with chubb feels like you're probably getting the the handcuff there um michael carter with breeze hall i don't love that one i've not done that one yet like i'm just one. going i'm just going through adp Right now, uh, Pierre Strong with Ramondre, you could even that could even not even be a handcuff situation. You could get the early down back and the passing down guy. Well, what
0: about what about uh, the Pierre Strong Kevin Harris? It was just like, I'm taking two shots at the
1: no, that's that's courting, that's courting. You're you're just asking disaster, yeah. Belichick, Belichick just cut a guy I had 17 exposure (laughs) to, (laughs) you know,
0: yeah. And also, like, Ramondre could easily be a total workhorse, so like, you're you right. took two shots at a handcuff that doesn't pay off. That's probably really bad.
1: The uh, the aforementioned Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. I don't hate taking Malik Davis with Pollard. while we're what we're talking about hmm. uh, the the Cowboys guys. <sighs> most of, honestly, most of the handcuffing I do is like more expensive guys like Bigsby with Etn or um, the the the. the Buffalo won. I have no problem taking James Cook and, and Damian Harris together. I don't love James Cook's price, but theoretically, I don't hate it. And I have taken Walker and Charbonnet together on teams.
0: Interesting. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing either of those. It's, it's just a the, lot. The stuff
1: Walker-Charbonnet out. thing, there's no math you could do to make it look good.
0: I, I, think, I think Charbonnet might be the guy you want there.
1: Do you, see, do you see Sean's rankings, though? Do you see Sean's rankings?
0: No, What is he, what does he have?
1: What do you think he's got Kenneth Walker ranked just in the top 100?
0: I forget if he likes Kenneth Walker or not. I guess he does. Uh, yeah, because he was really pushing him last year. Uh, God. I'll say he has him ranked 30th.
1: 14th overall. <laughs> not running back 14. 14th. <laughs>
0: Yeah man I you know Sean's Sean's amazing but I'm going to be got uh, Michael
1: Thomas ranked 159th. I, just, I love I mean to be fair Michael Thomas is like the worst pick on the board but
0: Yeah that's a good one. Um I don't know I think I think Walker is in for a rough year. I think sharpen a guy I've just, so I'm I'm kind of um drafting up an article right now on looking at success rate and Walker had this horrendous success rate and there's been a little bit of a connection between Guys who have really bad success rates and then not getting a lot of goal line work, or guys who have really good success rates getting a lot of goal line work the following year, um, it's good to it's good to be consistent. Coaches like that is basically the the thesis, right? And the fact that Walker was horrendous in success rate, Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, the only guy with two uh, guys with two hundred touches, two hundred carries rather, who were worse last year um, in NFL Next Gen success rate, and then they bring in a guy who's like a bigger back and also Kenneth Walker can't catch passes. And this new back can, it seems like, I don't know, man, I'm going to, I'm going to have a big old gap in my rankings from where Sean's got Walker. I don't care. You're taking Walker,
1: Kenneth Walker, go boom. (laughs) That's all I care about, dude. If he, if, if eight times a year, to <laughs> shoulder through some Tyler Algier linebacker and just <laughs> and, and, and zips off for fifty-five yard touchdowns. I do not care.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, fifty-five I, I, yard touchdowns I, I, do I've a lot for I've
1: become a boomer with running backs. I'm taking. I'm taking Henry. I'm taking Walker. I'm taking Mixon. Like I've become. I. You know. I should. I should draft a high stakes FFPC dynasty team and be like. You know. Just taking running backs ahead of of uh, trailing Burks.
0: Jeez. Jeez. Uh. I mean, what are, you, what, are you Henry, doing?
1: what are you doing with D. Henry?
0: I'm not taking a lot of D. Henry. I know he plays the Texans twice. I, Dude, I, it's... he's
1: literally – I cannot believe he's still a third-round pick. Okay. Hey, Dave. he is like 29 years old. Okay, but think about in, in years past, we would have been – we would have taken, even in our peak, philosophical sending a message drafting – we would have taken Henry in the third round.
0: Yeah, because he would have been 10 years younger. <laughs> we would have been, we'd have been down. I mean, I don't know, man. He's 29 years old. We all expect the offense to be horrible and quarterbacked by a rookie who sucks. So that's that's how you're playing for the end of the year? But a two-down running back? Will Levis' two-down running what back? This is how strategy,
1: you what this strategy presupposes is that Derrick Henry goes burr. Against the Houston Texans. <laughs> I mean, dude, they played a game against the Texans where Malik Willis completed one forward pass. And Derrick Henry, it just did not matter. 220 yards, two touchdowns.
0: I mean, I think that that's Malik Willis in some ways is better for Henry than Will Levis, right? Because Will Levis is actually going to attempt passes and stuff. Like Henry, they were just like, you're the offense, bud. You know?
1: I mean, look. I am always open to to being Bayesian and to being wrong, but and maybe I'll get on the D. Henry train too late, but Derrick Henry in the third round and half point PPR I don't know it just it feels it feels like the market is leaking.
0: So the issue that I'm having with taking Derrick Henry isn't that I'm like oh I gotta take Debo Samuel over him. It's right. that I want to take Ramondre Stevenson or sure. Brees Hall. You know, who is sort of like, yeah, Brees Hall is going to start much slower than Derrick Henry, but like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be more excited about Brees Hall in week 15, 16, and 17. You know, hopefully looking real healthy. Offense looks way better than last year. You know, compared to, uh, it's like Derrick Henry might be like, like 30 carries for 80 yards type of stuff. I mean, it could be gross. It could be really gross in Tennessee this year.
1: I'm not scared. I'm not, I'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bow to this propaganda houston texans twice in the fantasy football playoffs i do not i do not care dude i, I can't
0: believe this you're you're just like married to 29 year old derrick henry what happened to you man they could
1: be favored dude the, the Texans, the titans could be favored in week 17 against the texans honestly I, I
0: guess so, but like I hope they are because you 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 bet on a twenty nine-year-old two-down running back. Like he's not favored. He, he's a, not I think I shit. think
1: you're being a bit I think you're being a bit glib calling him a two-down <laughs> running back. He had 49 targets last year.
0: Yeah, fair. They used him finally in the passing game and it worked out.
1: I mean, a just start. imagine imagine the feeling knowing the Derrick Henry was available in the third round, and you just are just watching him, just every every play, just like eight yards in week seventeen, and you're like you 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 you're on red zone, and they're like, oh my god, we can't believe it, the 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 Titans are in the red zone again. <laughs> Derrick Henry has four Texans defenders draping off his back, and he's just like like a kraken, just throwing them around, <laughs> just just slaying Houston Texans defenders as he walks out of the end zone for his third touchdown. Mike
0: Vrabel just stomping <laughs> up and down the sidelines. They can't stop him.
1: That's there the, you. honestly, the, 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 the biggest counterpoint to what you're saying is that Mike Vrabel does not care about the score line. He does not care what their record is. The, the plan of using Derrick Henry as the spear is just not, is not going to be altered unless he is like physically incapable of doing it, which he's 29. Maybe he will be, you know, um, but it's still, it's still Derrick Henry. In the yeah. Frame.
0: I mean, I don't know, man. Like it is,
1: I'm not I really get- taking him on DraftKings cause it's full PPR. Right. And, uh, although Henry is like the only guy who consistently gets the 100 yard bonus on DraftKings is kind of the, the mitigating thing last year. It's like, I think he, I think last year he doubled up every other running back in 100 yard games.
0: You do. So. The Texans thing, I know. You know, he just absolutely crushed the Texans. Oh, if you if have... you
1: if you come in with a boomer, D'Amico Ryan is going to fix their defense. Take, I don't even know you anymore. If I don't know you, you're touting a 29 year old running back. Damarious yeah. Ryan's going to come in that building. He's going to get these guys playing serious football.
0: Like, do you think that Henry just goes off because he like red jerseys just get him going? Like, it, no, it is going to matter I if think... they.
1: I think the Texans stink and have no talent and they're not going to get enough talent to fix that roster in one off season. And it's in a dome.
0: Yeah, it's true. Back to the weather. El All Nino, right, you know-
1: El Nino ever heard of it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have taken Henry some and uh, God, I didn't expect to get in the Henry battle and then be checking my Derrick Henry exposures, but I have, I took him in the Dalmatian. Okay i'll I'll win the Dalmatian if he goes off. That's how' I'll, that's how I'll win. I
1: mean, that's a good that's a good middle, I feel like. Uh, I mean i'm 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 definitely being like a bit glib with the Henry thing, but I am taking him. I mean i I think I think he's a good I think he's a good I think he's a break even selection where he goes, but certainly he's got if Derrick Henry is healthy in week seventeen and the season roughly goes how we expect it to. Derrick Henry will be the highest projected running back in week 17. He'll be, he'll be, in half PPR, he'll project for more points than McCaffrey. I don't know about that, man. I know, I know from doing projections, I would try and make Henry project worse in these spots. And he wouldn't.
0: I mean, McCaffrey going against the the hapless Jacoby Brissett led commanders. I don't know. I think he's going to project for a lot.
1: Eli Mitchell will get. will be getting like 19 carries a game in those spots.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, Trey, that's Trey Lance for sure.
1: Imagine, imagine the the feeling if you were like, I just take CMC every time. I take him over Jefferson. I take him over Chase. It's week two. The 49ers are on the four yard line, and Kyle Shanahan calls a read option with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, and Trey Lance scores a four yard rushing touchdown. <laughs>
0: Dude, what if Trey Lance gets there by being like a Debo Samuel type?
1: He's he's Taysom Hill. He's Taysom Hill. He, <laughs> yeah,
0: throws, Taysom
1: Hill. he throws 16 passes, catches four, and runs 20 times. Uh who do you All think right. my highest exposure running back is, by the way?
0: Well, I think it's Derrick Henry now. Um No, it's it's not. Derek Henry. Antonio Derrick
1: Henry is no Damian Pierce. Wow.
0: Because you have become a boomer. This no, is this because, really happened.
1: No. It is a little boomery. It is a little yeah. boomery. But it, it's playing on It's playing on two things. I mean, one, I expect C.J. Stroud to be an improvement on Davis Mills. Hot take. Uh, I think that matters. But it's more the range of the draft he goes in. I just do never want to click on Dalvin Cook. I don't really want to yeah, I mean, click yeah. on Swift. I don't really want to click on Pacheco. I don't really want to click on Cam Akers. I don't really want to click on Rashad White. I think he's got a similar floor, and a way better. Because if the Texans happen to be good, if C.J. Stroud has like a a Mahomesian, even a Trevor Lawrence, even a rookie or Trevor Lawrence where the team was kind of shit, but he was clearly better than Blake Bortles, right? Pretty big. That year was such
0: a disaster. It's not the best comp, but I get what you're saying. You You get get what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Maybe a Mac Jones, a Mac Jones level. He can be like
0: Jimmy Garoppolo level type of, not quite as efficient, but yeah, Mac Jones is a good comp. Let's do that.
1: But then, but then around him, I mean it's just there is just dust buckets left and right. You know, it's it's like Mike Evans and overdrafted Kadarius Toney and George Pick. It's just a bunch of guys I don't want to call Yeah, yeah,
0: I don't like that range either. <clears throat> but I usually need a receiver there because I, I tend to like
1: I take I take Lockett a lot there.
0: Yeah, I take Lockett I know, a lot too.
1: I know you're a JSN guy.
0: No, I take Lockett a lot as well. I think they're both really good uh I, though leone would sort of talk to me you know surprise surprise leone talked me out of a rookie but uh i i am trying to wait and see if i can get more jsn in the sixth because he goes on the seventh on DraftKings. so i'm like yeah. i can get lots of exposure on DraftKings, and then um i can you know if i'm a little underweight on underdog right now that's okay so was, it's giving me confidence to push jsn into the sixth and and he's fallen there too so then that that's given me more confidence to
1: i think jason jason will keep falling as people realize that the seahawks are going to be the same team they've always been
0: yeah i th- i think he could settle more in the seventh for sure
1: i think i think jsn i mean this is really neither here nor there but i think he's got like he's gonna play a little bit but i think he's like almost mostly a contingent value rookie like kind of like uh kind of like aj Brown's rookie year where he was kind of in and out of the lineup Right, he he would pop up. He had a hundred yards in his first ever game, and then like we didn't hear from him. And then he he went nuts down the stretch. Although obviously, yeah. I don't think I do not think JSN is as good as AJ Brown.
0: No, me neither. And I like I like JSN a lot. Um, all right, let's close with this uh, as we look ahead into future years. You know, I I think I I got a vision as we close things up of you know a tight end that we're going to be taking in future years. The the tight end who's going to be the key to fantasy Trey Lance. 2025 tight end eligibility make it happen underdog if
1: if trey if if trey lance is eligible at tight end next year on underdog.com however this happens i i by like may 30 by may 30th i'll have drafted 150 teams just to just to get it on trey lance like i won't be able to i won't be able to stop myself
0: (laughs) all right davis tell the people what you got going on we've landed the plane
1: uh, did a sports grid fantasy football podcast this week with Eric by for, where we talked about, uh, just like our favorite ways to get unique. Like, tr- like how are we creating leverage for potential week 17 stuff? And then Eric eager is coming on the take cast on oh, nice. Friday morning. We're just gonna, he, he just came out with this wide receiver value article. That's pretty interesting, but we'll, we'll shoot the shit, take a look at the MVP markets and things like that. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're grinding, dude.
0: We are grinding. Uh, some housekeeping stuff for legendary upside uh first of all like subscribe rate and review the podcast uh trying to grow all these new channels so that helps a lot uh i do want to note that if you recently sign up for legendary upside uh and you want to get a 50 dollars underdog credit make sure to go to the site uh i'll put the link in the description below and in the podcast description Uh, you need to fill out a form so that i can send your username to underdog to get that credit so Uh, Make sure to fill out that form. There are still credits left, but that form is what reserves you the credit. So you got to do that. Uh, I also want to note, I've run into a little bit of a bug with the system that is supposed to send out the automated emails for the premium podcast, which is a part of your legendary upside subscription. Uh, It is sending out like almost all the emails, but occasionally just missing one. So if you didn't see an email from transistor.fm and you want to set up your premium podcast feed. Just uh, reach out to me on Discord or at LegendaryUpside at gmail.com. I'll help you out with that. And uh, if you are looking to get $30 off your Legendary Upside subscription, you can do that until July 18th or through July 18th uh, at LegendaryUpside.com slash early. Go ahead and take advantage of that. Right now, you can get a $50 underdog credit with that. You can also get 40% off your Spike Week subscription um, with code LEGUP over there if you are a Legendary Upside premium member. That'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys later.